Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Earlier today, there was another active shooter situation in Philadelphia. Uh, latest news I've seen, six cops. Six cops were shot at. As far as I know at this point, they're all still alive. They are being treated at the hospital. But again, we all can now appreciate and understand what the first responders do every single day to go out there and put their lives on the line to protect and serve our freedom. So thank you to all of our law enforcement. I bring this up in the context earlier today. I had a chance to sit down with Senator Kevin Kramer. Uh, as we all know, there's been a big conversation due to Dayton and El Paso about some votes on some upcoming gun legislation. So you're going to hear from him later on the show on will he vote for any new gun legislation or not? Very, very important discussion. Be sure and stick around for that. All right, we start tonight, though, with the big news as well coming out from the Dow Jones getting just absolutely clobbered today, dropping roughly 800 points due to what is called an inverted yield curve. I'm not going to get into the wonkiness of that. Basically, the bond markets are sending a signal that, hey, we could be headed towards a recession in the next 18 to 24 months, in part, in part because of what's happening with the China trade war, also because of what's going on with our Federal Reserve. Did they raise rates way too soon? That's just a couple things to mention, but I bring those two things up specifically because earlier today, President Trump was tweeting about this. He said, hey, we are winning big time against China. Companies and jobs are fleeing. Prices to us have not gone up and in some cases have come down. China is not our problem, although Hong Kong is not helping. Our problem is with the feds. Raised too much and too fast. Now too slow, too slow, excuse me, to cut. Spread is way too much as other countries say thank you to clueless Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve. Germany and mother, many others are playing the game. Crazy, here he talks about it, the in, inverted yield curve. We should easily be reaping big reports, rewards and gains, but the Fed is holding us back. We will win. Are we winning? Love to know your point of view on that. Well, Senator Kramer, here's what's the good news for you as far as this conversation. Senator Kramer just got back from a congressional trip overseas. He was in the Indo-Pacific region, essentially the Far East. It includes Australia and New Zealand as well. But uh, So when we were chatting today, we talked about this U.S.-China trade situation, President Trump backing off the tariffs, at least the added 10% until December 1st. And what does all this really mean for our local economy? President Trump took off or at least delayed the 10% tariffs. Uh, did we get anything for him making that move? Well, I don't know. Again, I don't know what they're negotiating uh, behind closed doors or via the phone at this point because it's my understanding that not only has there not been a face-to-face -face meeting for some time, there's not the next one's not even planned with China. I think that the president often, you know, carries a big stick and, and, and also, um, you know, uses a carrot when necessary. I suspect this is part of his strategy with China. Again, who knows what they've negotiated uh, in terms of letting them have some room. China has a lot of issues right now, Chris. It's not just trade with, with uh, the United States or even their economy, which is a shrinking economy perhaps even headed towards some say recession. They've got Hong Kong, they've, it's the, uh, the Hong Kong situation, which is very unnerving to them. They have their own internal challenges, not only with their own economy, but, but their own people. The one thing that I have heard as I have taken this trip and, and as well as from some of our own military leaders, the Chinese people, you know, there's 1.4 billion of them. Uh, they're not really all that, um, you know, calm right now themselves. And so, you know, how much of that plays into the to the president's calculation, I don't know. But right now he seems to have, um, you know, the, the Chinese leadership in a little bit of a tough spot. 
but we're not exactly, you know, we're not exactly um, humming on all four cylinders either here in the United States with regard to our trade policy. Well, and the economy as well. I'll get to that in a moment. But you bring up a great question. I mean, President Trump has sort of been on the sidelines at this point regarding Hong Kong. What, what should we do with that situation? There is some conversation that if China continues to do what they're doing in Hong Kong, we might stop all trade talks and all talks with them. What, what should we be doing with the situation in Hong yeah, Kong? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because you have Hong Kong, but then you have Taiwan, you know, also, which is a, another relationship, obviously, that we have uh, and that, that China has that's, that's you know, sort of watching all this closely. I can tell you this. Having just come from the region, the entire region is watching the Hong Kong situation closely and watching China's response to it closely. How we ought to respond to it, again, I would leave that up to the administration. Um, whether or not we would halt all trade, I don't know, but just we just have to remember this is a president that's been the most firm in standing with allies, whether it's in that region or in the Middle East, doing what he says he'll do, and so nothing would surprise me. China, though, right now I think the president's played it well. He's called for calm. He has not stood, you know, taken a strong stance one way or the other. Uh, I think that's wise. I think that, that all eyes are on him right now. So, um, you know, we wish the best, obviously, for Hong Kong. It's wonderful to watch liberty played out the way it's being played out there, much like it was in our own history as a country. So I think we have to be sensitive to that. But we also have to be realistic about um, just how... You know how history has yes. what history has taught us about the Chinese and their regime as well. And that's what I was going to get at. So some might look at Hong Kong and go, "Hey, that could give China some leverage." Uh, Trump, President Trump backing away from the tariffs might mean that they've got some leverage. Is is China winning this trade war right now? I don't believe China is at all. If you look at Xi, Xi Jinping and 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 he's really much more in, in chaos than than the United States is. He's got bigger problems than we have. He doesn't have near the diversity we have. He doesn't have the allies that we have. And again, come, having come from the region and spoken to many of our allies, uh, I can tell you we have strong allies in the region. He's he's literally uh, politically on an island. Are the allies on board with what President Trump's strategy is with China? You know, I would say there's to varying degrees they are. Um, you know, the, obviously they're living in the neighborhood. The, the consequences of a miscalculation are much greater for them than they are for us. So there's concern. This is why, part of why I was there to in, to assure. Uh, our allies that the United States stands firmly with them. But we also have to remember that um, for some of them, China's their largest trade partner, trading partner. They can't afford to lose them. Um, I think we have to be sensitive to, to those concerns that they have in the region. But, you know, you know, things you have to hand it to, like, for example, you have to hand it to um, Australia. Australia has put up a wall and said, you know, no more Huawei in China. Or I mean, no more, no more Huawei in Australia. That's a bold move for a country that's as susceptible economically to China as they are. But that means all the more to the United States and and to our friendship with them. One thing that I think can get pretty wonky. Maybe you can shine some light on this. Based on what we know now in this trade war, should we have stayed in the TPP? Uh, that's a great question. Here's what I think, Chris. I don't. I don't believe we could have because I don't think the public in the United States wanted us to. And a lot of people will blame one politician or another, remembering that both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton opposed the TPP. We were never going to get enough votes in the Congress to support it anyway. I think getting into the TPP still remains a viable option under our terms. I think the bilateral work that the president's been doing with Japan and, and now with the UK and you know certainly other allies could lead us into the TPP, but again, under our, you know, under our conditions, not under somebody else's. 
As I mentioned at the top of the show, there was an active shooter situation in Philly today. Multiple police officers fired upon. So, of course, there's been this conversation about, hey, look, what are we going to do about guns in this country, especially after the shootings in El Paso and Dayton? So today I had a chance to visit with Senator Kramer about this and go, look, you know this is coming. Senator McConnell said you got to do something. So when you get back to D.C., will you vote on some of these pieces of gun legislation? If so, what will you vote yay on? Here's my conversation with Senator Kramer. A lot of conversation, obviously, after El Paso and Dayton about some gun laws that want to get passed. Even Senator McConnell saying, hey, we got to do something. Will you vote yay on a bill that changes anything for law-abiding gun owners? Well, that's a very, that's a very <laughs> specific question. And I, I, I have one rule I always abide by, never say what you'll never do, first of all. And second of all, you can't have a conversation if there are non-starters. That said, we are the freest people in the world. And freedom comes ahead of peace and prosperity and all the other things. So I will tell you, Chris, that I, I, there are some principles I abide by. The Constitution is not an accident. And due process is critical to American freedom. You know, some of these other countries that we've been talking about that I've been to, they have, they have very peaceful existence. But they have 99% conviction rates. You know, their people don't carry guns, but their government arrests them for chewing gum. Uh, you, you just, you know, we always have to remember the context of American freedom. That said, we ought to do everything we possibly can do to keep people safe, to harden schools, to, um, you know, to providing mental health facilities and treatment and care, maybe loosening some of our, some of uh, the, the trading of information uh, about, about people who might harm themselves and harm others. But do process has to come before you take somebody's guns away. So let's get into that. So universal background checks, yay or nay? Well, I've never been a supporter of universal background checks. Um, again, I, that's not to say that we couldn't enforce existing laws a little bit better. It's not to say that the local law enforcement couldn't be abiding more closely by the, the, the NICS process, for example. There are things, you know, when we did, when we passed Fix NICS last year, we provided incentives for local law enforcement to be better aware of, of things that, you know, the red flags, if you will, that go up and the things that they are allowed to do under current law. But if you go much further than that, what you're saying is that um, you're, you're, you're saying somebody's guilty before they're, you know, before they're proven guilty. And we just have to be very careful with this, this important balance. So red flag laws, will you vote yay on that? Well, the term off the top, just off the cuff, does not sound very appealing to me. Again, due process is important prior to taking somebody's inerrant rights away. Rights are not given, you don't earn rights. Rights are given to us, and then you you know, you can earn to having them taken away. We got a lot of feedback from people where President Trump yesterday talked about the Chris Cuomo video and said, hey, I don't think that person should have a weapon in their hand, he's nuts. I think that concerns a lot of people because there, there's the lack of due process, and who's gonna determine if Chris Cuomo is nuts or not for an example? What's your reaction to that? Well, first of all, I guess that that's more of a rhetorical statement on the president's behalf than maybe a policy statement. I don't know. But my concern is this. Remember, there was a, a debate last year or two years ago, uh, pretty recently, where some members of the United States Senate who aren't there anymore um, thought that we ought to take guns away from certain people because they're recipients of Social Security um, if they have if they have a you know financial advisor helping them with their money. Well, that's removing a right without due process. 
I think that's the wrong direction. So again, Senator McConnell said, hey, we have to do something. What would you vote for? Well, let's put it this way. First, I want to have the conversation. You, you might recall that my very first um, public meeting as a brand new congressman six years ago was a discussion right here in Fargo on guns. And, and, it, and we had, I had a pastor, I had a mental health uh, professional, I had a cop, I had a parent. You know, we had a half a dozen or so people and then the general public. And we didn't solve a thing. But we had the conversation. For that, I took a lot of criticism. I think we have to have the discussion. I think you have to include everything. Media, what's the role of media? Video games, say what you want. Uh, you know, you can deny it if you want. But Chris, I'd also say this. This is why I want to, I think we always have to approach this thing in a, with a wide-ranging um, number of issues on the table. Don't have non-starters. I might say I will never vote you know, against for something that violates the Second Amendment of the Constitution. But that said, you have to have the discussion. So let's do that. Um, let's include everything, every aspect of it, including entertainment and, and, and all of the things that, 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 that are some people might snicker at. But then remember that we are the freest country in the world and that that freedom was garnered by and, and is protected by American military who carry guns. But in other countries, that military sometimes turns on them. Now, I don't think the American military in today's society will ever turn on us. But I think people have to remember that the concept of gun ownership is based more on, on protecting yourself against a, a government than it is about hunting rights. And so we have to have the entire discussion. Everybody needs to speak frankly. They need to feel free to be able to speak frankly without being judged. Amen. So a couple more quick things on that. Uh, what about like an assault rifle ban, yay or nay? Well, I don't think, th I think there's no such thing as an assault rifle. I know we call them assault rifles. A rifle, a, a, an assault rifle is a rifle that's used in an assault. What about minimizing <laughs> magazine now? Like how many, obviously, you can put in a magazine? You know, that, I, again, I don't want to say what I'd never do, but I always go back to the Constitution. Infringed upon, infringed upon. I'd encourage people to look it up, read the Second Amendment, infringed upon. Now, if people want to amend the Constitution of the United States, they want to have that discussion, that's a different discussion. And maybe that's a discussion people might want to have. I don't know. Personally, I think our founders did pretty well with it. Thank you for being so candid. It's just everyone's obviously having this conversation. Oh, you, so. wait, you I, I guarantee you, you know darn well, but by the time this gets seen and the Democrats of North Dakota see it, they're going to send it to somebody at CNN thinking they got me. But I think the candid conversation is exactly what we need to have that we don't have in this country. So on another note, if you will, but same vein, uh, El Paso and Dayton, would you classify that as domestic terrorism? You know, I think, you know, the word terrorism has become pretty broad, but it's hard not to see it as a, a, a domestic terrorist attack. Terrorism doesn't have to include um, a particular region of the, of the world. In fact, I think in order for it to have credibility as a word, it needs to include anybody that exercises the things that terrorists do. And I, I think based on that, they, they look like domestic terrorist attacks. So should there be a federal law against domestic terrorism? Well, and that, I think there's a reason to maybe discuss that. When you think about federal resources, for example, fortunately, by God's grace and, and, and North Dakota's good you know, common sense, we haven't had an incident in our state. That's not to say we couldn't have an incident in our state. But I, if we did, I'd be grateful that we have a federal government that has resources that we wouldn't necessarily have here to deal with something like that. So, you know, I think that that's an area worth at least exploring. Again, I wouldn't say what I would never do, but I will always err on the side of, of liberty.
Thank you so much to Senator Kramer for his time today. Senator Hovind was at that event as well. I'll talk more about that event at the end of the show. Just here to get back out to Western North Dakota. He was going to give us an interview. So as always, thank you to Senator Hovind as well for being so available. So I did get a statement from Senator Hovind though, because I did want to ask him about, hey, would you vote yay for any new gun law bill, gun legislation, uh, especially when you consider law-abiding gun owners. Here's the statement that he sent me uh, earlier today. He said, hey, we all want to keep weapons out of the hands of dangerous individuals. That's why we worked in a bipartisan manner to pass the Stop Violence Act to provide schools with additional resources and training to prevent school violence, as well as the Fix NICS Act to strengthen the background check system. We talked about that last night. Any new proposal needs to protect our constitutional rights, both the Second Amendment and due process. Also want to share this with you because Governor Burgum recently has been asked about uh, the red flag laws. Governor Burgum's statement said this, we must ensure that law-abiding citizens aren't denied their Second Amendment right without due process first, but if family members or law enforcement believe an individual is suicidal or mentally ill and a danger to themselves or others and a process can be established through the courts to keep that person safe after ensuring their right to due process, that's worth considering. So we'd love to know your point of view there and what you heard there from our uh, elected leaders regarding potential new gun legislation, whether it be universal background checks or red flag laws, whatever it may be. Please share your point of view with us and stand up at the end, coming up at the end of tonight's show. Again, I was at an event today with both Senator Kramer and Senator Hoban regarding a new readiness building for our incredible National Guard individuals. We'll tell you more about that later, but also share your point of view with us simply by emailing us, texting us, leaving us a voicemail. We'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Point of View. There's so much going on in the world today. I thought, you know what? Let's just watch a red panda play with a bag for a minute. Just to kind of go, let's just take a chill pill and sit back and hopefully laugh and just go, hey, that looks like fun. That takes me out of what's going on sometimes in the world. So anyways, hopefully you enjoyed that. Welcome back to Point of View. Would love hearing your points of view. A lot of great stuff coming in last night. We did talk about some of the gun stuff last night and President Trump comments as well. So one of you emailed in and said, hey, I'm totally against any more gun control laws, especially the red flag laws, because the same people who flag our Facebook and Twitter posts as offensive would be calling the tip line to have our guns seized. The most common reason people are sent to prisons in communist countries is because of the so-called mental health issues, i.e. they need to be reprogrammed to like communism, is this example this person used. We fought one war to get freedom and others to keep it. We don't want to have to do it again, but we will if need be. Great email. You kind of heard with Senator Kramer along the same lines there about what the real reason of the Second Amendment is about. We'll see how this thing plays out come September and the years to come, especially with 2020 on the horizon. Text from Minot said this, said, hey, meaningful background checks need to include personal and job references as well as criminal history. Job applications require them. Why not gun owners? And so that's a, a very interesting point because I think some people would say, as Senator Kramer did, hey, shall not be infringed upon. But if you take it from a legal perspective, to do a background check is not an infringement on your Second Amendment. So where's that balance going to come in September? I think that's the question that many people have. We'll see if these guys can get anything done or not. Keep in mind, I mentioned this the other night, Senator Mitch McConnell up for re-election in Kentucky. President Trump, as we know, obviously up for re-election in 2020. There may be some movement here that may not please everybody in North Dakota.